and from the Gospel according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a litre of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a guide to our lives. Let your word speak into our hearts today. And let us not simply hear the words you have for us, but let them change us. Amen. Well, we have reached the penultimate verb in our series of the verbs of discipleship in John's Gospel, and tonight it is to praise. And this verb falls on Palm Sunday. It's the day in which we celebrate Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem less than a week before his death and resurrection. Now, it's an occasion of great joy and rejoicing uh, that very quickly turned into grief and mourning in the coming days. Uh, but, but today, we have the opportunity to consider what it means as a disciple to praise him. Well, let's first consider praise in our culture. Uh, we live in a meritocracy where the approval of others is ever important and we receive praise or not based on our performance. Praise to us is vital in success. Praise is an acknowledgement of good work, of progress, of being better. And we strive for it. We feel valued and appreciated when we receive it. 
Uh, it even enables us to work harder as we desire to have more praise given to us for what we're doing. I mean, praise can be a driving force for your career. It can be something that fulfills your ego, be a part of your personality, and even be a reason to be in a particular profession, to be valued or thanked or looked to as an example. These can be significant reasons to do something. And being affirmed can be immensely powerful. Now, is that what the Bible means by praise? I mean, does God crave praise as a way of being affirmed by his own creation? Well, the word praise appears 363 times in our English Bibles. In, in our John 12 passage tonight, it's a description of what the crowd is doing. They're praising God. Uh, but most of the time, it's a directive. It is for us to praise God. And if you want to see where many of these come from, Psalms 145 to 150 are full of these directives. Praise the Lord. Now, it seems to be an important concept for us to understand. So what is praise? Well, to put it simply, praise is the result of recognising God for who he is, not primarily for what he does. It is the right response to him. Praise means to sing or to tell of, to give thanks for or confess God's greatness. It means to be thankful for God's blessings to us. Praise declares the good news of God. And praise is an outworking of our faith. Praise is, in one way, a visual and sometimes audible show of our faith in God, and it is directly linked to worship, but I'll, I'll jump to that later on. Let's turn to our text again and try and gain some insight as to the praise that Jesus receives on Palm Sunday, and then we'll explore the biblical meaning of it. I'd like to focus on just a small part of the text today. Uh, a great crowd has come to see Jesus. I mean, they've also come to see Lazarus, who Jesus has raised from the dead. And it's this crowd that are coming with Jesus into Jerusalem in verses 12 and 13. And it says this, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to, him, to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now the word Hosanna is a shout of praise. It is a Hebrew word that is praise, but can also mean help or save, I pray. And it's the same word that's used in Psalm 118 that we had as our call to worship and we'll end our service with tonight. Uh, it was well known by the Jewish people because it made up part of the Psalms that were used during the Feast of Tabernacles. Psalm 118 was one of the Psalms that was sung every morning and when the verse that has the word Hosanna in it was said, men would shake a bunch of myrtle and willow that was tied together with a palm. That sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? And so it's entirely natural then that the crowd, when repeating Hosanna, waves palm branches. And here's the part that I'm talking about in Psalm 118. From verse 22, it says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. 
Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Lord, save us. Hosanna. And the crowd who is with Jesus on his arrival into Jerusalem has either heard or seen Jesus do many things. And they've come to the conclusion that he is indeed the one who has come in the name of the Lord and who is the King of Israel. And they believe that he has come to Jerusalem to take the throne, to rule Israel and release them from the oppressive Roman Empire. And as they come to Jerusalem, they shout these praises about Jesus, who has come to save, who has come to deliver them. And it is, it's fitting, though he hasn't come to save and deliver in the way that they envisaged. But the fact that they've come to know Jesus and their response is to praise him is good and right. And that's what I'd like to explore in my three main points. Firstly, who are we praising? Secondly, why are we praising? And thirdly, the how, when, and where of praise. Uh, for all of these, there are simple answers, but we need to delve deeper to really understand the concept of praise and how we can be praiseful followers of Jesus. So firstly, who are we praising? Well, the simple answer is God. The complex answer is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. How often do we stop and think about who God is, explore the depth of his character to try and better understand the three persons of our triune God? I mean, who is our God? It's a big question, but it's vital for us to answer. If we are to be people who praise God, we need to know who we are praising. And there is much that we can know about God that he has revealed to us both in Scripture and in Jesus. Uh, here's a short and incomplete list of who we know God to be from what he has told us. God is our creator, and he created the heavens and the earth. He set aside a people to be his. He made a covenant relationship with them. He is the saviour. He is the beloved. He is the great I am. He is the only God, though he himself is three persons in one. And we sang that earlier in our service. We sang, praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. The Father is God. Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. And if we focus a little closer on Jesus for the purposes of just staying closer to our text in John 12, well, who do we know Jesus to be? Well, he is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the true vine. Jesus also is our creator. All things were created through him, we're told in John 1. And Jesus is our Redeemer. By his death and resurrection, we are saved. He is the Lord, the King of Israel. See, this is who God is amongst many, many other things. This is the God who we praise, our loving Father, our Saviour. God is meant to be the object of our affections. We have been 
designed by God to love him and to be in relationship with him. And he has revealed himself to us so that we can come to know him. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, which is coming in the next week, we can know this God and praise him for who he is. And so secondly, why are we praising God? Well, it is the only response to the one who created us and who has rescued us from our sins. God is holy and faithful to the promises that he has given us. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is the fulfillment of a prophecy and the sure sign of God's faithfulness. And we read that prophecy earlier in Zechariah chapter 9. And because of his holiness and faithfulness, he is worthy of our praise. The Bible is littered with calls to praise God because of who he is. Two quick examples from Revelation 4 verse 11. It says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And this one of Jesus in Revelation 5 verse 12, in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. So God is indeed worthy of our praise, not only for who he is, but for what he has done. So Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday was his first steps on the last part of his journey, his first steps towards Calvary, towards his death. So Jesus was the only worthy person who could take the sins of the world on his shoulders, give his life for ours on the cross, and spoilers, rise again from the dead. He is our King, our Messiah. And no one else could do what Jesus did because Jesus is God. He is the only one who is pure and blameless who could take all of our sins to the cross and deal with them there. Through his death and through his rising again, we have been brought close to God in a way that we couldn't have before. And now we can bring these praises to God because of what he has done through Jesus, our Saviour. God is infinitely glorious and deserves all the glory and praise. Uh, there's a song written by Andrew Peterson uh, called, Is He Worthy? I don't know if any of you know the song. Uh, I'm always a little bit suspicious of songs that have a question in their title, especially when I know that the answer is yes. Um, however, this song really strikes at the heart of what praising God is about. Uh, the lyrics are in the quotes on page two uh, of your zines, if you're interested in looking at them, but uh, this little section, I think, is, is worth saying. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave... He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son. Now, is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? He is. 
And we also do praise God because we are instructed to. I think Psalm 150 has the greatest catch-all instruction of praising God, and I don't know if you, you caught it as we were singing it earlier tonight, but Psalm 150 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Every living creature in every place instructed to praise the Lord. We know God. He has revealed himself to us and he has shown us that he is worthy of our praise. And that's why we praise him. But more than that, it completes our joy. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. Now, having said all this, the tension in John 12 shows that the people needed more than just a command to praise Jesus. You see, they praised him as their Messiah, but within a week, he would be dead. Now, Jesus chose death, knowing that he would be raised again as king by his father, and his father who is worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. Now, Jesus knew he had to do this, but why? Well, he did it to put potential worshippers who fail to do so, and we all fail to do so, to put them in a right relationship with God. So that in Christ, we would have the power to truly worship. We have a new heart to worship with a new spirit, God's spirit, to not only worship with our lips, but with our lives so that we are no longer a fickle crowd, like we see in John 12, but fully devoted to God in every word and every action, and to not turn from him when things are hard, but learn to turn to him in all situations. And that leads me to my last point, which I hope will be quite practical. The how, when, and where of praise. Now, I learnt uh, this truth many years ago, uh, praise is not just something you do in songs. Uh, and worship is not just something that we do here on Sunday evenings. See, praise is a subset of the larger command to worship God. Worship isn't just something we do. It's part of who we are. Our identity as human beings before the God who created us. Praise and worship, therefore, is holistic. Everything that we do is shaped by worship or praise of God. Worship is entirely everything that we do. Every word, every action, every thought. Our entire lives are to be lived in worship and praise of God. I mean, it's, it's in our DNA. So let's dig into these three parts and see how we can be praising God in all that we do. Firstly, the how. 
How we are to praise God is an important concept to understand, but it's a harder one to enact. And I don't mean how we praise God together when we gather as a church on a Sunday night, though I have many, many thoughts on that particular question. Uh, But again, how we praise God in all that we do. We are not made to praise God with our mouth alone, but with our actions as well. And we prayed that earlier together in the prayer of thanksgiving. We prayed, give us such a sense of all your goodness that we may be truly thankful and may praise you not only with our lips, but in our lives by serving you in holy and righteous ways. See, paying God lip service is not what he desires. Your heart matters. Your life matters. And what you do matters. Your actions matter just as much as your words. We are to shout and sing praises to God, absolutely. And we join with the crowd as Jesus enters Jerusalem and sing Hosanna. But it's, it's larger than that. We are to shout, sing, and serve. We have to respond to God, respond to Jesus, and that be shown in how we serve, and not just serving each other here, but everyone we come into contact with. And by doing that, we can model what it looks like to live your life not craving the praise of others, but praising God in all that we do. And that's really, really hard. But it leads nicely into the last two points, and they really are just one point, you'll be happy to know. The when and the where. Simply put, always and everywhere. Now, this is going to take some time to think through by yourself. And what does it look like for you to praise God in all that you do at work or at home? What does it look like to praise God in all that you do with your church community? I mean, I can't answer these questions for you, but I can tell you this. It will not be easy. You won't be able to do this well without some serious thought, strategy, and lots of prayer. God will enable you to live like this if you ask him to, but it's still not easy. And I want to be clear with you all on this point. Being a praiseful disciple of Jesus does not mean always being happy. It doesn't always mean singing praises to God. It, it just, it can't. Life is not simple. So what does it mean to be a praiseful disciple of Jesus when you aren't feeling happy? How do you praise God when you've lost your job? Or when someone close to you dies? How do you praise God when someone in your family's lost everything in the recent floods? And how do you praise God when you look at the world around us and see so much that isn't right? Well, praising God, it doesn't have to come from a place of happiness. It isn't something that we do when life is good and we feel the blessings of God. And Job proved that, didn't he? Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what does praise look like in these times when we don't feel close to God? Or we don't feel as though singing these happy songs is is right? Well, in these moments, praise looks like trusting in God 
coming to him in prayer and resting in him. We continue to recognise God for who he is. He's holy. He's faithful. He's worthy. We recognise God like Job did, like Jesus did. And we bring our praise to him in these moments in the form of cries and pleas, complaints, tears and grief. But make no mistake, he hears you. He responds to you and he will be faithful to you as he has always been. I wanted to leave us tonight with a warning and an invitation. Uh, The warning is this. We are creatures who crave the praise of others. But God is the one who is worthy of all praise. God, our Father, Jesus, our Saviour, and the Holy Spirit, our Advocate, deserve all of our praise, not just with our lips, but in our lives. And if you choose to live your life craving the praise of others, instead of turning that praise to God, you have distorted the gospel and you are taking away from God's glory. We can't want other things more than we want God. And if you find yourself unsure about this, you need to pray for God's help. Because when we experience the weight of who God is, of who God has revealed himself to be, everything else becomes insignificant. And once we have seen God, once we know who God is, the only response is to stand in faith, beholding God's glory and praising him. And the invitation tonight is to give all that you are, all that you do, to the praise of God. He has proven himself worthy of all the praise that we can give and even more. But it has to be real, true praise. It has to be out of love and affection for our God. Don't just go through the motions knowing that it's what you should do. Engage in thoughtful, holistic praise of our God. Anything less is not what God wants. Uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote this. He says, When you praise him in a prayer, let it not be with coldness and indifferency. When you praise him in your closet, let your whole soul be active therein. When you praise him in singing, don't barely make a noise without any stirring of affection in the heart, without any internal melody. Surely if the angels are so astonished at God's mercy to you and do even shout with joy and admiration at the sight of God's grace to you, you yourself on whom this grace is bestowed have much more reason to shout. See, that's what a true disciple of Jesus does. We praise him. We join the crowd in Jerusalem. We see Jesus. We recognize that he is God, that he has been sent from God and that he alone can bring us into a right relationship with God. And we have far more knowledge as to who God is than this crowd did on this Palm Sunday. And yet, we stand with that crowd 
and we say, Hosanna, praise the Lord. Let me pray. Lord our God, we praise you for being our God, for being our creator, our redeemer, our father. Thank you for saving us, for the hope of eternal life, and for your grace given to us each day. I pray that we will strive to be praising you in all that we do and say, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.